Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast. This week, we're joined by co-founding Pastor John Ferguson for week two in our series, Starting Over. Community is one church in four expressions, meeting online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. Have you ever found yourself holding on to a secret? Maybe something you regret? Uh, For most of us, our first secrets began when we were children. You'd sneak an extra piece of candy, spit out your broccoli when no one was looking, or maybe put a handful of dirt in your mouth just to see what it tastes like. A secret. And if your secret was dirt in your mouth, that was definitely something you'd regret. Uh, But secrets aren't just something we hold on to when we're young. Keeping secrets carries on with us into adult life. In fact, a recent study found that the average person is holding on to 13 secrets, 13, five of which they've never told a living soul. Can you believe that? On average, you've got five secrets you've never told anyone. I would almost find that hard to believe if it hadn't been for a study we stumbled across. It was a massive social art experiment that began in 2005. Some of you may have heard about it or even participated in it. It was called Post Secret. Frank Warren, an entrepreneur, invited anyone who had a secret they'd never shared to write it on a postcard and send it to his P.O. Box address. Then on Sunday, every Sunday for the past 17 years, Warren selects and posts 10 secrets on his blog. Some of these secrets were quite humorous, like this one. I'm afraid to hold people's hands because mine are incredibly sweaty. Uh, Or this one. I tell all the kids I babysit that I turn into a mermaid at night. They always believe me. (laughs) Uh, Others are more disturbing. Sometimes I go to funerals of strangers just to hit on the hot women. I'm pathetic, but it works. Mm. Uh, But so many of them are just, just heartbreaking, like this one. I smile all the time so that nobody knows how sad and lonely I really am. Or this one. I'm 21 years old. Uh, My dad is the only person who says I love you to me. Sometimes I call to ask him dumb questions just to hear it once in a while. I don't know about you, but those last two kind of take my breath away. Yet if you're a coffee drinker, this one might be most painful of all. I give decaf to customers who are rude to me. (laughs) Another good reason to be kind to your barista. If we are truly honest with ourselves, though, I think we have to admit that all of us have secrets that we've kept hidden. And more often than not, these secrets are tied to our regrets. Maybe you failed in your attempt to get a college degree. Or you maxed out your credit cards again. Or, Or maybe you did something pretty horrible that pushed away someone you really care about. We all have regrets. Uh, In this series called Starting Over, we've been talking about the different types of regrets. There are regrets of action, regrets that make our stomachs turn as we think, oh, how I wish I'd never done that. Regrets of action. There are regrets of inaction. Uh, These are times we fail to take action. Opportunities missed, time wasted, words never spoken. And then there are regrets of reaction. Sometimes our greatest regrets are due to something hurtful that was done to us. And we naturally regret that too. Uh, The problem with regrets is that instead of fading away, they tend to stick around. We hold on to our regrets and we get stuck in what we call the sorry cycle. 
an endless pattern of longing and regret. You know, longing to shake loose our regrets, longing to overcome them, but unable to let go of what we've done or not done or what's been done to us. Now, psychologists have a term for getting stuck in this cycle. They call it rumination. Like clothes in a dryer, the regrets we have tumble over and over again in our minds. We so long to make it right, but for some reason we can never quite get there, which only leads to even more regret. But I'm here to tell you there's good news. It is possible to live beyond your regrets. You can start over. No matter who you are, no matter what you regret, starting over is possible. Uh, Last week, we learned that we can actually learn to love our regrets when we begin to see them, you see, not as a finish line or a dead end, but actually as a starting line. See, regrets are actually meant to kickstart us into a better future and an even closer walk with God. And so the next three weeks, we're gonna learn three steps to starting over. Now, the first step begins with a choice, a choice that comes with two options. Now, sadly, the option we most often choose is to ignore our regrets. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's a natural response, right? If you have a secret that you've never shared, why share it now? But here's the deal. That regret may not be visible, but it's still there. And it's not gonna go away on its own. This made me think of the times I've gotten a pebble stuck in my running shoe. Ever had that happen? I think everybody's probably had that experience where you're either running or walking and all of a sudden one of those pesky little pebbles manages to sneak its way into your shoe, you know? And at first you barely notice. Sometimes you're not even sure it's there, but the more you walk, or especially if you're running, whew, boy, does that hurt, that small pebble. I mean, it becomes a huge problem. And you see, that's what happens when we choose to ignore our regrets. It's like you're walking or running through life with a painful pebble in your shoe causing all sorts of hurt and discomfort. Maybe you're starting a new relationship, but you have regrets from past relationships. You know, you try to put your best foot forward, but that regret is still there, reminding you of past mistakes. Or maybe you're thinking about taking on a new venture of some kind, something that involves a a certain amount of risk. You, You know, you prayed about it, sought wise counsel. You're getting a green light to move forward, but the regret of past failures is causing you pain and unnecessary caution. The regret can be anything, bankruptcy, divorce, a harsh word that crushed someone you love, a DUI, a lost job, or or maybe some sort of repeated sin pattern. Uh, There's a path that I sometimes run on near my home. It has this very fine little gravel. And from time to time, one of those pesky pebbles gets into my shoe. And when that happens, I think to myself, you know, maybe if I ignore it, it'll go away. Or sometimes I think, maybe if I just run a little faster, that pebble will like leave my shoe on its own. Like I'll run so fast, it'll just fly out. (laughs) Anyone ever try to outrun a pebble in your shoe? It's not going to happen. But I still try to convince myself. And see, the danger in not addressing that pebble in my shoe is similar to the danger of ignoring my regret. Ignoring regrets from the past can keep me from giving my best to what's in front of me right now. Ignoring my regret can cause further damage to me personally. I actually Googled running with a pebble and found all sorts of real stories of people doing damage to ligaments because they didn't stop to remove a pebble from their shoe. Same is true for our regrets. If we don't address them, they will only cause more and more pain. Bottom line, ignoring our regrets never works. It never works. So I want us to learn from someone who eventually 
discovered another option. His name is David. Uh, You might know him as the shepherd boy who killed the giant with a sling and a few stones. But by this time, David is now the king of Israel. He's powerful. He's revered. He's in control. And while his men are off fighting a war, David is strolling around on the roof of his palace when one evening he notices a beautiful woman in the building next door. It sort of reminds me of what happens at some of the high rises in the city. You know, the guys who hang out by the rooftop pool. Yeah, they seem to have just one thing on their mind. And for David, this was no innocent glance because he's so quickly smitten. Uh, But this woman, Bathsheba, she's the wife of one of his most accomplished soldiers named Uriah. Uh, Sadly, David's longings overrule his judgment. He summons Bathsheba and sleeps with her. He knows this is wrong. And if he felt any regret that next day, he chooses to ignore that pebble he just shoved into his own shoe. He makes the choice to hide what he's done. But the pain of his regretful actions become even more difficult to ignore. When Bathsheba comes back and says, I'm pregnant, David faces a choice once again. Will he deal with his regret or will he try to hide it? Sadly, he chooses to run a little faster, push a little harder, and simply ignore this regret that is now wreaking havoc everywhere. David calls Uriah home from the battlefield, figuring if Uriah will sleep with Bathsheba, he'll think that the child is his and David's regret can remain hidden. But Uriah refuses to enjoy the pleasures of home while his men are risking their lives on the battlefield. And this pebble of regret becomes a boulder of a problem for King David. And when David faces another choice, once again, he chooses to hide. He sends Uriah back to the front line and instructs his generals to abandon him on the battlefield so that he is struck down and killed. Now, not only is David an abuser and a liar, he is a murderer. David is becoming pretty skilled at hiding his regrets. In spite of all the pain he is causing, he continues to try to run at full speed. And after Uriah's death, he brings Bathsheba into his house and she becomes his wife. His regret remains hidden. Well, sort of. Until God sends Nathan, a prophet, to tell David a little story that goes like this. Uh, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. Do you see where this story is going? Uh, He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David is enraged by Nathan's story. He says, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Ever notice how people sometimes express the greatest rage over injustices maybe they have regrets over committing themselves? I can only imagine how the tension was building in this conversation when Nathan says to David, David, you are the man. The pebbles in David's shoe could no longer be ignored. Nathan goes on to tell David what God revealed to him, the abuse of sexuality and power, the deception, the murder. And again, David has a choice here. He can continue to hide. He got rid of Uriah. He has the means to take care of Nathan too. But thankfully, this time, David makes a better choice. And David says to Nathan, 
I have sinned against the Lord. David finally chooses to recognize his regret. And see, that is the choice we have to make if we hope to start over. Uh, Greg, one of our friends here at Community was faced with a similar decision to hide or to recognize his regret. Here's his story. My name is Greg, and this is my starting over story. So I grew up in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and I think what most people would call a pretty typical home, uh, mom and a dad and one younger brother. Church was not a, a huge part of our life. We did go on Sundays, but it was just the place where we had to wear bad socks, and I didn't enjoy going. The first time I uh, remember being introduced to alcohol, I was, I was probably about 13 years old. I was hanging out with an, an older kid, his name was Chad, and uh, we stole a couple bottles of wine from my parents' liquor cabinet. And we drank the bottle of wine and we, uh, we made screwdrivers. And when I, when I got home, I remember that I had, uh, we had this downhill driveway uh, into the garage. And I remember the garage door wasn't up. So I remember wrecking into the garage. I remember my parents yelling at me. I remember crying and hugging a toilet. I remember promising that I would never do this again. What I also remember is that even though the consequences were bad, that I thought I had found the answer to life's problems that frankly I didn't even know I had before that day. All the fear and doubt and insecurity in the world just kind of slipped away when I drank and I thought I'd found the answer to life. My parents had different ideas uh, growing up uh, that was not okay in our home, so I found myself in trouble all the time. It's funny, my mom would say, you know, I needed to get different friends, but what she didn't realize is I had become the friend that other people should get a different one for. Um, that's kind of the route my high school took. I think probably the first time that a light bulb came on, I'd been on a bender, came home to steal money. Um, that was my job. <laughs> I snuck into the house and got caught with my hand in the cookie jar. And rather than coming out up with some lie like I normally would, I remember just saying, I have a problem with drugs and drinking and I, I can't stop and I don't know what to do. And, uh, and so my father actually knew instantly what he wanted to do. So uh, they told me that a van was on its way to my house uh, to come pick me up and take me away to my first treatment center. So I was 17 years old at that time. I felt helpless um, and lost and clueless as to how to how I can make it through life, because I couldn't imagine life going on as I was living it, but I certainly couldn't imagine any other way either at that point. I also looked at my family and realized that I had destroyed any resemblance of what a family is. What, what do I do now? I've thrown away everything, life's over. Um, I, didn't I, I didn't see how more could happen after, after what I'd done. I won't say that treatment did a lot of good things or life change happened there, but what did happen was I met a counselor named Rob. When Rob would share what it was like for him to want to drink or get high, uh, I knew that Rob was just like me. Uh, and I had grown up, up to that point, thinking I was the only one that felt that way inside. A seed was planted that if Rob could do it, then maybe there was hope for a guy like me too. I had an aunt who lived in Chicago named Fran, and Fran had recently gotten sober herself and offered that if I wanted to change my life, she offered to let me move out with her to give me a new chance and a new start. So I moved out to Chicago. Fran introduced me to a few other people who were closer to my age and also uh, had gotten sober and recovering. I began to have just, a, I guess you'd call it a glimmer of hope. 
you know, hope that if it was possible for these people, um, that maybe it could be possible for me too. The reality was I was still a long way away, uh, many years away from getting off this downward destructive sorry cycle. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear more of Greg's story. But his story of starting over, you see, began when he chose to recognize his regret. We have an enemy who so wants us to ignore our regrets. I mean, he whispers in our ear, if you slow down or stop, people will see you for who you really are. Just just keep running. And so that pebble remains. Small, but persistent. Hidden, but immensely powerful. It's like that regret is now lodged in the, in the middle of your heel, feeding your shame and heartache. But if we want to start over, we got to stop. And we got to address it. We must recognize our regret. So here's the deal. See, I hope today can be a Nathan moment for every one of us. I believe God wants you to recognize your regrets, break the sorry cycle and start over. The apostle Peter, we talked about him last week. He overcame his own regrets and he wrote these words, humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves before God. We all have one of two options, to hide our regrets or to humble ourselves and recognize them, banking on God's promise to forgive us and free us from our regret. So, Are you ready to trust God with your regret? Are you? If so, here's what you need to do. First, get honest with yourself. Uh, We all have regrets. There are things that have been done to you or things you have done and, and you have to face the facts head on. It happened. You wronged someone, broke a promise, told a lie, cheated, caused pain. Or maybe you were the one who was wrong. Something happened. Either way, Write it down, say it out loud, and tell yourself it happened. Uh, One of the reasons it's so hard to be honest with yourself is that we can be our most cruel critic. And so I want to encourage you with some advice I heard from journalist and psychologist Charlotte Lieberman. She writes, when it comes to addressing the problems you want to address, you have to talk to yourself like you'd talk to a friend. I mean, sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves. And yes, we have to be honest, but we also have to be compassionate with ourselves as if you were consulting a close close friend who just shared with you their deepest regret. So simple, but such profound advice. Talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend. Getting honest with yourself is such an important place to start, but it's not gonna be enough to break the sorry cycle. Therefore, next, get honest with God. Get honest with God. Uh, So often our shame and heartache holds us back from approaching the very one we most need to tell. And when you go to God, it's not like he will be shocked. He's not thinking, oh, I can't believe what you just told me. No. But you see, like any relationship, it's one thing to know you've been wrong. It's another thing to have someone confess to you what they have done wrong. God needs to hear from you and you need to tell him so you can draw near to him and seek his help to make right what has gone wrong. God so wants to heal redeem and restore all that's been broken. But it's going to require you get honest with him. And then finally, get honest with someone else. We all need someone who can help be a Nathan to us and help us start over. That's part of what this you plus life is all about. No longer trying to take this journey on your own. No, you've got to stop the hiding and let someone know. 
Uh, in his recent book, The Power of Regret, best-selling author Daniel Pink observes that we hold back from confessing because we think others will think less of us. However, in study after study on confession, that's just not the case. Pink argues that we have 30 years of science telling us that people generally think more of us, not less, when we confess our regrets out loud to others. I challenge you. I challenge you to take that risk this week. Get honest and share your regrets with a safe and trusted friend. I think you'll be amazed at how that person will think more of you, not less. These regrets are pesky pebbles that turn into heartbreaking boulders. I mean, they get lodged in our lives and we find so many reasons not to address them. But today we invite you to make the choice to slow down and stop thinking they're going to go away on their own and instead recognize your regrets. In a moment, we're going to celebrate communion together. It's a moment we, we set aside each week to reflect on the death and resurrection of Jesus. But as we do that, I want to offer you another opportunity. I want to give you the chance to recognize your regret in a very tangible way. As psychologists have done work on forgiveness, they've noticed that sometimes art and creativity can actually open up our brains in ways that words and logic cannot. So we invite you to think of a, a symbol that represents your particular regret. Maybe it's a heart that's been broken, an object or, or a letter that reminds you of a person. Or maybe it's just a squiggly shape of some kind. And if you feel comfortable, would you, would you describe that symbol in the chat? You, you could type the words, a broken heart or the letter E. Whatever represents your regret, just put it in the chat. And then in the coming weeks, we'll put those symbols up on our regret wall here at COTV. We're not asking you to put your name on the chat. This is just between you and God right now. An opportunity for you to recognize your regret, to tell yourself, to tell God, and then later tell someone else. So go ahead and put it in the chat right now. Here's the deal. As long as you ignore your regret, it has power over you. But today can be the day you recognize your regret. And it's the first choice we need to make if we hope to start over. You know, Jesus instructed us to remember his loving sacrifice that gives us the chance to start over as we eat the bread and we drink the cup. And so together, let's remember the body of Christ. And together, we remember the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, help us to take that courageous step. Humble ourselves before you, a close friend, and ourselves. And confess that we have regrets. God, help us to take that step. We, we take that step knowing that you love us unconditionally. You offer forgiveness and acceptance. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice that reminds us of that. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take your next steps in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call You Plus. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step 
learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.